Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into David Lynch first for us, a book, <laughs> Diary of Secret, uh, <laughs> Secret, Di- <laughs> Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Yes. And it's not even really David Lynch. It's Jennifer Lynch, his daughter. <laughs> right. I just meant more in the David Lynch universe. Yes, exactly. As opposed to Jane Austen. <laughs> exactly. It's our first Lynchian book. Let's just say that. Yes. Yes, definitely. But we are not alone. We have a very special guest that I'm so excited will be joining us. You might have heard her before if you listened to the Sister Talk episode back when we were doing Northanger Abbey. And that is my sister, Chelsea Arnold. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Yes. She will be joining us for the whole book. And we all read it. And we're just mm-hmm. going to record all three episodes at once. We just want to let you know that because, <laughs> just because I'm, well, we'll try. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's very limited amount of time when we all can do this together. So it's easier just to do it all at once. Exactly. I agree. And also, before we start, I just want to say that this book deals with triggering topics, um, sensitive yes. topics. It deals with rape, molestation um, of children. It's not, it's a hard book to read, but it's not particularly uh, graphic, I would say, in certain respects. I mean, it's not like, I don't know what I'm (laughs) It's not vulgar with its use of, so there's like a lot of, there is some pedophilia, sexual abuse, some drug, a lot of drug use. Um, Yes. So we just kind of want to give a warning out because it is a pretty graphic book in itself right. so if you are triggered by any of those things just like a little forewarning before you really get into it because it is very um intense it goes into it yes yeah so if you're if you're normally just like a jane austen person and you just wanted to listen along with this one <laughs> you i think you could definitely follow along with us if you didn't want to read the book but you know if you are triggered i would say maybe skip these <laughs> set of <laughs> podcasts <laughs> just prepare yourself if it's something that you're particularly sensitive to. Yeah. And I'm a little nervous to cover it myself just because I know I have a tendency to like laugh at inappropriate moments Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just don't want to say something insensitive, but I do have faith in all of us to be able to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think we'll do a good job. Well, I've got my kids behind me, so you know, I'm going to be using as many PC terms as possible. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good little filter. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Ah, uh, but, okay, well, where should we even start? I guess we should introduce Chelsea. Why don't you tell us a little about, about yourself, Chelsea, and your David Lynch and Jane Austen experience? Okay, well, I am your sister. Um, all of my um, experiences from David Lynch started when I was a very young child, middle school, maybe even, I don't know, how when did it come out? Was I in elementary school? You were probably nine or nine or ten so I was definitely in elementary school and I remember (laughs) I would go in while you guys were watching Twin Peaks and I'd be like okay this show's not so bad and then immediately something terrifying would happen and I would run from the room (laughs) and so I didn't actually um get into it until I was much older like ninth or tenth grade but I feel like I started with Firewalk with me which is probably not the best way to start it (laughs) 
I it, like I saw Fire Walk with Me, and then there was a big amount of time before I actually saw the first season, so I have forgotten who the killer was. So it it didn't spoil it for me because you know bad memory and all. But um, <laughs> we all have ever <laughs> ever since then, I've just been like a huge fan of specifically Fire Walk with Me, and um, I'd never read this book before, so I'm very excited that I got the opportunity to do that. I listened to it rather than read it, which I highly recommend because <laughs> uh, Cheryl Lee is the person who narrates it. And she, of course, is the perfect person to do it. So, yeah, I think and we she's all flawless. To it. <laughs> she really mm-hmm. should get like uh, nominated just for the reading of this. Seriously. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so this was the first time I read it as well. And... Which is surprising to me because, you know, I was a huge (laughs) Twin Peaks fan from the very beginning. I remember when this book came out, it was between the first and second season, but I kind of watched the first and second season pretty close to each other because they kind of aired it and I didn't see it. And then they re-aired it over the summer before the second season came out. And I just, I I don't know how I knew, I guess it was just in the air or something that the book was mm, maybe a little graphic for me (laughs) but I was really I feel like what I remember the book mostly intriguing me about was trying to figure out the mystery and I think that might be how most people approach the book back in the day was who is the killer that's what we want to know that was like what was the big thing in the air at the time and after reading it I'm like well I don't see how you could have any clue but I'm interested to see what Christian (laughs) thinks having you know he's kind of almost like following along like the world was at the time you know Mm -hmm. we kind of watched the series slowly and then you had a break and now you're reading the book (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah um yeah so clearly this is my first time reading it or listening to it and i don't know it was very i was really excited because you know the, the series infamously starts with her being dead so we don't really know much about her other than like secondhand stuff Mm-hmm. Um, and then we clearly find out that no one knew who she was for real, except maybe Bobby. Um, yeah. And so I, I just really appreciated the fact that we were able to learn about her and kind of see someone who really was so outside the mold of what a Twin Peaks citizen should be, if that makes sense. Because yeah. she seemed very counterpart to even people like Audrey, who seemed like not to fit in. Like she seemed... Like, Laura seemed way <laughs> far to yeah. the left than her. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see, like, what events led to certain things happening and certain people being a certain way. So I really appreciated reading this book in the order that we're doing it because um, it just seems to flow so well. Yeah. It's really interesting because Twin Peaks is almost like the presentational side, the side we don't see from the diary, but Laura implies that she spends most of her time, like, pretending that she's a perfect girl, you know, and so, but you just get hints in the series that there's darker to everybody. But in this book, it's like, we just are presented with the dark. (laughs) We never actually even (laughs) see the good side. (laughs) Exactly. No, No, that's another thing is the book is very depressing and very um, pessimistic. Yes. And the way it's in a diary and it might show up in my recap, how I wrote it because it's kind of repetitive because she's, you know, it's very stream of consciousness. So she'll be thinking right. something and then she moves on to another thought and goes back to the old thought. And then, you know, it, so I'm, I'm interested when we go through it because I was just looking over it and the dates, 
I wrote down all the dates and I think they're very telling about when, you know, how much time is passing in between these things and what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested. I'm really excited to get into it. Um, Mm -hmm. The recap is really long because we crammed like twice as much information (laughs) into episodes because we really just didn't think that this book we didn't want to have six episodes of Mm -hmm. the sadness of laura palmer so we're gonna do our best to try to make it um still a reasonable length of time so we cut down on the notes and deep dives a little bit so um but yeah let's just go ahead and get started with the notes (laughs) unless we had something more one for first impressions well i will say for my first impression i've always thought that fire walk with me um, was seamless in uh, it's because it was made so long after and it was supposed to represent what happened before and it's just seamless the way like if you watch it first and then watch the first season everything works perfectly yeah, and I continuity. think this book does exactly the same thing with yeah. that so. yeah and it's funny because this book kind of um, peters out in the last week or so or last couple of weeks of her life and that's what fire walk with me really focuses on so exactly definitely good companion pieces to each other Mm -hmm. all right so um for our three episodes i did some notes and i broke them up into three parts and this first part we're going to do just like general book notes about the book so it was uh written by jennifer lynch who's the daughter of david lynch um, it was published on September 15th, 1990 by Pocket Books, which is like a little pocket company of Sh- Simon & Schuster. It's a total of 184 pages, and it was listed under the genre of fictional diary. And it was published, like we said, between the airings of season one and season two. Yes. And so when it was released, it was in September, and then the next month in October, it reached number four on the New York Times paperback fiction bestseller list, which I thought was really cool. Well, that's just a, uh, it's a testament to the book, but also a testament mm-hmm. to how popular Twin Peaks was and how right. much everyone was thinking about it at the time. Right. And then I found what I, I thought that was really interesting because of A, like how just very like vulgar and graphic it can be and then i found out that some bookstores even refuse to stock it due to its graphic mm-hmm. nature which is doesn't really yeah. surprise me since you know a lot of bookstores refuse to stock stuff like harry potter which is crazy yeah and people <laughs> were a lot more into like we have to keep this out of the sight of children about everything yeah. those days <laughs> of course, <yeah. laughs> which is ridiculous but then it was published uh in the uk in november of 1990 by penguin books and then I read, and I don't know if this applies to the version that we read, but in June 10th of 2011, they announced that there was going to be a new edition of the book to come out with a foreword from David Lynch. But well, I, didn't... I think there probably was. I think I have it, but it's still mm-hmm. packed away with all my Somewhere. stuff. Somewhere. <laughs> so I, that was the one regret I had doing this episode was I couldn't find my copy of the book mm-hmm. even though I know it's in this house and I didn't want to buy a second copy because no. <laughs> I know it's here <laughs> well maybe we can maybe uh sometime maybe for our next check-in or something I can help you look for it and then we can maybe read the forward or something oh that would or be talk great. about yeah. it yeah definitely I thought that was really interesting but that's all the notes I had for the book awesome so we'll have some good well, ones for the next episode <laughs> Let's just jump straight into the recap because there's so much to discuss. (laughs) So much. 
All right, so basically the chapters are broken up per entry. So we start off July 22nd, 1984, Laura Palmer's birthday. She just turned 12 years old. And I love the way Cheryl Lee does her voice throughout because she starts off with a very childlike voice and it gradually turns kind of teenagery and then mm-hmm. it turns much more grown up and we even get some Bob voice. It's just, she does such a great job. If, I don't know if there are audible awards or like audiobook awards, but she should have definitely won one. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think there are today, but there probably weren't when she recorded it maybe. Um, I think she recorded it fairly recently though. So. Oh, did she? Oh, well, she did such a good job. Sure. So. Yeah, I think she should have won something. And I mean, jumping back and forth in those characters that are in her mind at any given moment, also like, so like, sometimes she would start a chapter and you could just tell like good things happened in that chapter just by the like the tone in her voice. Yeah. And then sometimes she'd start a chapter and you'd be like, oh, something <laughs> bad happened. Yeah. Yeah. The way she read that day. Both. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sometimes she would be able to do both. It was amazing. Yeah. Okay, so she starts off, she's talking to the diary. She talks to it like she personifies it, like it's a person. And she's just so excited to confide in it. And she promises to tell it everything that she would keep secret from others. And so she talks about her party. Her mom put up streamers and dad wore a party hat. It played the kazoo. And Donna Hayward was there. (laughs) And she was talking about how Donna's dad delivered her. Her mother cried because she was like, oh, you're going to be grown up soon. But Laura doesn't believe that she will be grown up soon. (laughs) She also (laughs) introduces us to Jupiter, her cat, and says she got apple pancakes for breakfast, which was her favorite. (laughs) Oh, and Donna (laughs) saved her allowance to get her a special shirt. And Maddie, (laughs) Maddie, her cousin, who have you, we've met Maddie, right? In the series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I didn't realize that she was older. Me neither. <laughs> and I've seen the show for years. I never realized she was four years older than her or six years older yeah. than her. Which I guess looking back, um, I don't, I guess now that we know that, to me at least, Maddie does come off as a little bit more like, just more reserved and more like an adult rather than like yeah. a teenager. So that yeah, does kind of make sense. But I thought that was really interesting how, were they like four years apart? Yeah, I think four. Um, it definitely says somewhere, so we'll figure it out. But yeah, Maddie... <laughs> I got, I mean, there's so many characters that just reading this gave me a whole different perspective on them, which mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I like this perspective, but Maddie <laughs> was one that I did enjoy knowing more about her and Laura's relationship. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was like that, and we'll really get into it, but it was like that really like close, like, cause Laura doesn't really have any sort of siblings. So it was like the, her basically the sister she never had, which I really like, yeah. I thought the relationship was so like, just really warm and. Yeah. Just a really nice thing for Laura to have Definitely. for the time being. Yeah. Yes. And she's coming to visit and they want to camp out in the woods and dad also loves the woods and he has a surprise. Okay. So <laughs> the next entry is later that day and um, dad took her and mom out on a trip to see a pony that he got for her. <laughs> and <laughs> Laura was so excited and Sarah wanted to know how he managed to keep it a secret. (laughs) Right. And Laura immediately checks between its legs to see (laughs) that it's obviously a boy. (laughs) So you're not going to miss that. (laughs) Yeah, this is where she first says that she has seen a penis before. And Um, that's like, that's her first red flag of, we're going to find out some stuff about Laura now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Did I already say that she named it Troy, the horse? Nope. Okay. No, but I was waiting for you to say it because I, whenever she said that, I like immediately thought of like the city of Troy and the Trojan horse. Right. And I was too. like, where is the connection going to be made? Where <laughs> I was like, what is it going to represent? Yeah. And horses, I don't even know if they've been in the series that much, but they definitely become an important part of the series. Hmm. There's like some sort of a clue in the horses. So, But uh, immediately this- I'm thinking to myself, in the first season, there's no mention of a horse. So what is going to happen? Like, that's the first thing that came to my mind is, I we don't know anything about a horse. Where is going to happen to this horse? You know? Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. is Where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Troy is still too young to ride. There's a stable boy named Zippy who I really thought was going to come and be a part of this story at some point, but he never really is. She's very excited to show the horse to Maddie and Donna. And uh, she says, when a pony is given as a gift, you share everything, including a birthday. So Troy's birthday is now her birthday. Oh, and (laughs) this is a PS. This is still the first day she got this diary. Her 12-year-old birthday, she says, I hope Bob doesn't come tonight. So we already know, like... This is something that's been going on. So this on. has started to happen before she was even 12 years old. Before so, she was yeah. 12. Yeah. It gave me chills. <laughs> I was just like, Yeah. yeah when she, in the first entry when she's like, I'll tell you secrets I couldn't tell anyone else. I was like, hmm. And then that PS at the end, I was like, oh my God, this is already horrible. But still, <laughs> it does take her a bit of time to really work her way up to being able to tell us anything yes. about Bob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's still very much suppressing everything. Okay, so then the next day, it's late at night. She can't sleep. She's been having nightmares. She woke up crying, and she didn't. Her mom came in, but she didn't really want her. She just wanted her to be alone. But her mom comforts her by singing her "Waltzing Matilda." And so this was the dream she had. She was walking in the woods. There was hot, strong wind around her, a man with long hair who sang in her mother's voice. And she walked towards him and he said, I have your cat. And then he stopped the wind and she thought he was letting her go. But then there was a burning between her legs and she said she had to spread them. Then the man smiled and said, Laura, you are home. And then she woke up. And she says, it doesn't seem as scary after she writes what happens and that this has happened before and she's tired of waiting to grow up. So, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, that's a lot of symbolism there that a 12-year-old probably doesn't understand at all, but we Mm. as the followers of the story, yeah, you know, it's like Bob, obviously, the person with the long hair, speaking in her mother's voice is trying to make it seem safe for her, you know? To yeah. lure her like in. don't don't be afraid. I'm just your mom, just in a different form. Yeah, you're, but he's also fine. threatening her at the same time. I have mm-hmm. your cat and showing his power by stopping the wind. Yeah. So there's just a lot going on in that one tiny little entry. Exactly. <laughs> her dreams are very telling. Yeah. So I guess this is maybe the next morning. It's still the same day, but Maddie's almost there. Laura slept all morning. And then who did like an owl? <laughs> Which is just <laughs> symbolic, I think. Um, yes. But, or no, I think she was like sleepwalking or something. And she was hooting, sleep hooting like an owl as she slept. Um, and she's always 
and this is like maybe one of the first times, but she's definitely embarrassed by her mother. She doesn't want her mom to tell people about her silliness, like hooting like an owl. And she also said once she slept, walked into the kitchen and put her clothes in the oven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that parents are a source of constant embarrassment. (laughs) The most 12 year old entry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then um, this is like, like five days later, uh, the 27th. Mm. And she's writing from inside a fort that her and Donna and Maddie built. And she's talking about Maddie. She's so pretty. She's 16. So that does make her four years older. Um, and she has a boyfriend. And Laura's saying that boys already like her and Donna, but they're too smart to go out with them. <laughs> <laughs> and they went to visit Troy and she wonders how long Troy will live and if she'll cry forever when he dies. Did that trigger you, Chelsea? <laughs> you're like, oh, God. <laughs> um, well, again, like, I see that he's, something's going to happen to this horse. I don't know if he's necessarily going to die, but he's, he's not around. So. Yeah. <laughs> so she's saying she can't help but think sad thoughts sometimes. And Maddie teaches her about periods. always good to know okay um periods periods Uh, she hopes she (laughs) won't get hers (laughs) she hopes she won't get hers right yeah Uh, oh and they're gonna try cigarettes after the parents go to sleep and laura is saying she bets she can get donna to smoke just by giving her a look which she does succeed Hmm. at um (laughs) yep and Laura is talking about how she got a funny feeling when she learned about tongue kissing and how she's going to try it as soon as she can. (laughs) And she says she saw her parents having sex and she thought it was gross. And she promises when she has sex, it's going to be a lot more fun than that. And (laughs) Maddie tells a scary story. She's also been having bad dreams, dreams about Laura in the woods. I was just wondering if she was just having them while she was staying with Laura or if she'd been having them back in wherever mm. it is that she lived I because think of the connection having, they have. I think it implies that she had been having them before this even. Yeah, because it. I think with when we look at Laura and Maddie and even with the casting choice of having Cheryl Lee play both, I think maybe what they're trying to imply is that these two characters are like connected in some, in like yeah. some way that is beyond what, you know, right. the connections that she has with anyone else. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely true. (laughs) Okay, so the next entry is a couple days later, and it's a poem. And the poems, I did I not write down? I feel like she said at some point at the very beginning, she knows someone else who wrote a diary, and they wrote things in poetry, and she was like, I'm going to try that. Maddie. Oh, okay. Yeah, Maddie said that she had. So there's a poem. She writes a poem in this entry. It's about someone at her window wanting her to play, and lie still and she sees and feels him near and when she calls out no one can hear her and she thinks it must be her own fault but no one comes to help a little girl like you that's a hundred percent bob that is like her first way of saying this is what's happening to me yeah and i don't know how to talk about it except in poetry and a diary (laughs) right very i mean it's a start that's for sure she definitely needs to open up yeah okay so um, the next day, Maddie's still there. She had brought some clothes and let Laura try them on, and they made Laura feel good. She says she looked like Audrey Horn, who's quiet and sometimes mean. 
(laughs) (laughs) My favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mr. Horn is very attentive to Laura and has been all her life. And he likes to sing to her while she sits on his lap. Great. Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, I guess she doesn't know that yet. We'll see. Audrey gets mad whenever this happens, obviously. (laughs) I feel like this is what causes Audrey's problems as well. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes Laura likes it when Audrey runs off because it makes her feel like she's more special. And I think this is just her learning her own power. She knows the power of dressing in high heels and short skirts and is excited to be able to do it someday. And she thinks it will make her a better person to forget the bad things that happened to her. Ugh, so much psychology. I'm sorry, but I, the whole time I'm thinking, God, this poor girl just needs to go to therapy so bad. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. She needs to be able to talk about what's going on in her life. Like, I know, but there's no one who even knows that she needs to go to therapy. But she doesn't trust anybody to know what's going on in That's her true. life. That's true. Because... True. Because, and then I go back to, because Bob has made her feel this way for so long. Like, she can't trust anything or anybody, and nothing's going to change it, and it's always going to be what it is, and she just has to deal with it. Yeah. Okay, so later there's another poem. She's blooming on the outside, but dry on the inside, and she doesn't understand the reason of her crying, and she feels like she's dying. Okay. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) a few days later... She starts off by saying sorry for not writing. Maddie went home. Laura is frightened. She did have a good moment, though, where she had an orgasm in her sleep. Oh, that's right. (laughs) She dreamt about a boy, like a nice boy coming in and saying nice and gentle things to her. And then he opened her and became a baby inside her. (laughs) I mean, that's the first time that she, that we get sort of like a symbolism of her being a motherly, you know, yes, yes. she definitely uses that to in her control of others. Yeah, sexually and, speaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in a way, she is learning about you know pleasure and not pain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is like a few days later again. She spent the day with Troy. She says that he understands how she's feeling, and they bond. She talks about how she misses Maddie and she wants to go to Donna's for a sleepover because sometimes her bedroom suffocates her and she wonders if that's how it's going to feel to die. And she says that she's afraid she'll make Jesus mad when she dies because people say she's perfect with no troubles, but that's not true. And when she has to see Bob, she feels like she's seeing Satan. Unfortunately, Donna is having a family night, so she thinks that maybe she'll smoke one of the cigarettes she hid in her bedpost. She's afraid of things she thinks and what others would think if they knew, which is, you know, something that all girls go through. And I was reading about this diary and how a lot of people, even though they can't really necessarily relate to Laura's particular troubles, although there are people who can and um, do, but a lot of women who haven't who didn't have like the experience of Laura still love the diary because it talks about how, you know, a girl feels that the things she's thinking are wrong, you know, and it's, you uh-huh. know, it's weird to become a woman and, you know, sex and it's a scary thing, but nobody wants to talk to you about it. And exactly how Bridgerton of them. 
<laughs> Crossover. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, I just yeah thought that was interesting. They have to do a lot of exploring on their own to figure these mm-hmm. things out. It's a culture yeah. of shame. It's like you can relate even if you haven't gone through the same experiences. Okay, so a few days later, we're in August still. She's out in the woods leaning against a Douglas fir, just her diary and a cigarette. And she's talking about Bobby and how he likes girls but pulls their hair. And Laura says she's determined not to go near someone who pulls her hair like that. And <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Foreshadowing. She, yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Then she thinks of seeing her dad's penis. Then she hears an owl hooting, and she knows it's a male owl and that it's secretly watching her. She says she dreams of flying sometimes, and she wishes she could fly away and never come back. And then she writes another poem. Inside, she has a secret, and sometimes it takes over. It tells her she will never grow older and never laugh with friends, and she is never to tell anyone its name. I think we're all aware of who that secret is. (laughs) B-O-B. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a copy of the book because I feel like every time I see Bob's name written, it's capitalized, B-O-B. So. It makes you wonder if it's an, like an anagram. Anagram, yeah, me too. <laughs> Beware of Bob. <laughs> yes. That's true, she does say that. Yeah, maybe it is. Okay, so a few days later, it's 5.30 a.m. She is shaking. She was in the woods lost, but she was led she thinks she must be a very bad person. She determines to be good and no longer think about sex. And maybe if she's good, he will stop coming. And then she says, I am bad. And then she writes a PS, she promises to be good. And uh, Cheryl Lee whispers it. It's just so desperate. All of the middle of the night entries that she does, Cheryl Lee mm-hmm. just like, it just sounds so desperate. And she's 12. Let's all remember that she just <laughs> a child turned <laughs> just turned 12. 12. She yeah. just turned 12. A couple days ago, she was 11. Let's just all. Yeah. Every so, time kinda... something would happen, I would be like, how old? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Only this old. Okay. So last day of August, she says she's been trying to be happy and good, never alone to think bad things. She got her period. And it wasn't what she thought it was going to be. It happened real quick after. Hmm. She's yeah. like, I wonder if I'll ever get my period next day, period. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mom, uh, Sarah told Leland that Laura, oh, yes, Sarah told Leland about the period, and now Laura is super embarrassed. And this is the part where she starts to sound more like a frustrated teen. Mm-hmm. She says she's glad there isn't a child inside her. And she doesn't want to have children. She's afraid she would be a bad mother. And her Jupiter, her kitty, is comforting her. Good old Jupiter. Oh, I know. The next day, her breasts ache. They're growing very fast. And she had a nice talk with her mom, who comforted Laura. And Laura felt for the first time in a long time like they were very close. It was was a sweet scene. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny when she's complaining about her mom um, telling everybody her, like, you know, funny things. It uh-huh. makes me think about when I call you and tell you about the things that Allie has done. And then the <laughs> looks that she gives me sometimes when she hears me telling you these things. And I'm like, maybe I should just never talk about her in front of her. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Laura. I learned a lesson from you. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Um, so a week later, Laura has now discovered masturbation. So she can now experience that good feeling from before at her own will. It kind of seems weird, though, that with every all of her talk that it would take her until 12 to figure that out. I'm, I'm just I agree. <laughs> um, but maybe, it's... maybe she was repressing it for a long time. Yeah, or maybe... Um... Because I have I, I have my own ideas of like about you know Bob and the way she kind of interacts with sex in general about what's happened maybe in her past life that has kind of made sex a very negative thing towards like yeah. in her mind. Right. Um, but it also like I just you know thinking about you know when you're that age and like things you do that aren't that like feel good but they're not necessarily like you know textbook like masturbation and so mm-hmm. it's probably like something where, where she you know did stuff other than physically textbook masturbating in the sense right yeah and so now she's like oh this is what this is and it's like the you know the what yeah people we all know well after the dream she had she understood what the correct feeling that she was going for was yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay Oh, yeah. So anyway, she's keeping the masturbation a secret, <laughs> but she feels very good when it happens, but no one has to know. And she feels and no like one she's... no should a... know, really. It's a private <laughs> no. thing. It's a <laughs> self-journey. Just all of us in the diary. Um, <laughs> she Now she feels like a woman, and she's ready to be a woman with someone special. And P.S. The P.S.'s are so telling. She hopes she isn't doing something wrong that she will be punished for later, which maybe is an explanation as to why it took so long for her to discover it in the first place. (laughs) She really does go back and forth with what she thinks is going to fix the problem. Like, is being being better going to fix the problem? Is exploring this side of her going to fix the problem? Is, you know, having control over that going to fix the problem? Nothing ever really does fix the problem. (laughs) Nothing ever does. Okay, so then we have not, uh, September 15th. Someone is invading Laura's privacy. She knows for a fact that the diary was read by someone. They have ruined her trust and her sense of security, and she hates them for what, whoever they are. Many things are hurting and confusing her, and she needs her pages to see outside herself and push it away. She is very betrayed, and she seems to write this message specifically to the spy who is reading her diary. And it's very sad. The way she says, like, I need to be able to see what is happening to me outside of myself. And she doesn't even have that anymore. It's only six weeks later. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she, she just turned 12 six weeks ago. Think about how fast six weeks flies by in your life. And all of this stuff that she has put in, and now she's just, all of her trust is broken. And honestly, I I don't know if, like, she thought somebody, how did she know someone had, had gone through it? There's, like, there was no real evidence. There will be real evidence later. But at this point, there was no real evidence that someone had gone through it. Maybe she was just terrified someone was, and she was feeling guilty about it all. I just don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. But regardless, she doesn't write in it again for another year. So it's not until October of the next year, October 3rd, 1985, that she makes her next entry. So she's 13 now. 
She finally found a good hiding place for the diary and she wants the diary to know she knows it wasn't its fault. (laughs) (laughs) Good. She says that many things have happened that have proven that the world is a sad and cruel place. She trusts no one, not even herself. She doesn't know if she's being punished or if this happens to everyone. That's the saddest part right there. Yeah. And she also had a big blow that day where she realized that the her ho- her horse her horse Troy was not given to her by her dad but by Benjamin Horn. She figured that out when she was visiting Johnny and she uh, she does mention that she thinks Johnny keeps quiet because it's more interesting to listen than to talk. And she says she understands Johnny a lot more than other people. And then she goes back to say, but she still loves Troy, but now she feels awkward because it makes her dad seem less honest. And, but it also makes her more intrigued by Benjamin Horn. Yeah. She's afraid she'll never get along with Audrey and it makes her feel sick, but it also gives her a sense of power. And she says the only man she really trusts is Doc Hayward. And she describes him very sweetly. Yes. So that's a lot for her first entry back in a year. <laughs> Especially um, 13 years old. Yeah. But she's still in a good place with Donna. And it just makes you wonder, like, what on earth was Ben Horn thinking? What kind of relationship was he wanting to have with this 12-year-old girl? And obviously, I mean, he'd been having feelings like that for her for well prior I mean, he'd, she'd known him as long as Leland worked for him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's real, real sketch. Yeah. Well, and what have we learned about him? Does, have we learned about One-Eyed Jacks? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I think. And so we kind of, based on the series on season one, have already an idea that he is prone to have inappropriate relationships with teenage girls. So yes. He has a whole would... funneling system for them. But yeah, she's so he's, a child. Exactly. He's a, essentially a sex trafficker. <laughs> so, but yes. I, I think we get kind of inklings of Laura recognizing the inappropriateness of their relationship just based on the way that he like sings in her ear like very intimately. Yes. And yes. the sitting on the lap was very like red flag to me. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I would not be shocked, you know, to have some way to find out that there was something in the past that has happened. Well, and it's a very much a parallel as, and she hasn't gone into great detail about Bob yet, but she will soon. But it's a big parallel about how, like, you know, he has all these intentions that may have, like, just started off as, like, you're just a little girl and you're sweet and you're cute and you're fun to play with, but you're beautiful and you know you it just like morphs into like this passion for her that is no longer father-like it's more territorial and um predator-ish you know yeah so and it's kind of that their relationship and the relationship she has with bob are very yeah and then on another level I'm, i'm like considering this book is also trying to give tantalizing clues about the potential murderers of Laura Palmer. So anytime mm-hmm. any of the like people we know from the series come up, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> By well, all at, way. At this point in the series, like they already have a, a handful of suspects and 
I feel yeah. like Vin is definitely one of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, if he didn't kill Laura, he's definitely guilty of other like heinous crimes. So <laughs> yes. right. he's clearly not an innocent party. And I, I mean, what's really crazy is, you know, that you said at the beginning, Laura is not, she doesn't think the same thoughts or she's not the same typical Twin Peaks Townser. But the more we <laughs> find out about Twin Peaks, we find out she actually is very much like all the rest of the Twin Peaks Townser because yes. they all have yeah. this crazy backstory darkness that yeah slowly find out about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so later that day... Laura gets her new favorite meal. This is her second favorite meal we've heard of, potato pancakes. <laughs> um, she loves got pancakes. Made... She does. Who <laughs> does made... <laughs> <laughs> They were made special for her because Jupiter, her most special cat, who always loved her, was hit by a car. I didn't so see that coming. I really I mean, didn't. I mean, I, I saw it coming ultimately, but I didn't think, oh, this is the moment. <laughs> She knows it's probably an accident. And she says that her mom and her sometimes have the same dreams. I think it was like the Jupiter premonition that they had. She went out and found Jupiter still dying. They buried him. She says, a good friend gone when she has so few. And she wishes that someone else would have died. (laughs) She goes on to say that she's very popular, but no one really knows her. Donna probably knows the most, but Laura's afraid to tell her stuff because she doesn't think she'll understand. And she also has fantasies about big men and hopes it's not bad to think that. Gotta <laughs> 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 cram as much into every entry as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found this chapter so sad, and partly because Shirley did such a great way of like translating that grief that Laura has, because when you really think about it jupiter is probably jupiter and troy but probably mainly jupiter is like one of the only people in laura's life that does not want anything from her yeah. it's kind of just there as a comfort for mm-hmm. her and doesn't expect anything from her which considering what she's kind of telling us and the way she's speaking about things is that people have been taking from her all her life yes um with and without her permission so it seems like this is kind of like a turning point a little bit for her where she's kind of shutting off even more yeah yeah because the next entry she tries marijuana for the first time Mm -hmm. and we start to get the next (laughs) big story in this section so she convinces donna to sneak away to the book house with her some guys come up to them pretty quickly they thought that they were older the guys are from canada and they're in their 20s. Laura wasn't initially excited by any of them. They take the girls out back to try some better cigarettes, and Laura's like, it was amazing. She felt (laughs) relaxed and warm and a little bit sexy, and they gave the boys fake names and laughed at everything they said, (laughs) and she says she felt better than she had in ages. They danced until the girls had to leave on their bicycles. (laughs) (laughs) they giggled all the way home and then they had the munchies and then they were paranoid that their parents would see their red eyes but they didn't they totally got away with it they were basically asleep by the time the grown-ups got back she says she knows drugs are bad but she likes being that way yes and this is the first time that i ever took notice of the fact that the town we see on film may 
be bigger than the actual town written in the book because <laughs> riding your bike, I mean, the bookhouse seems far away. <laughs> riding your bike all the way to the bookhouse, oof. Well, I used to ride my bike everywhere when I was that age. I mean, I think about where I used to go on my bike, and I'm like, that was a really long way. And it was just like, we did it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, but you rode around Mandarin. You didn't ride all the way north side on your bike. And that's what I feel like the town of Twin Peaks There's no way Twin Peaks is as big as Jacksonville. (laughs) No, 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 no. But I feel like it's spread out, you know? I don't know. I think the the mountain aspect makes it seem more, like, grand. And I don't know. I get what you mean, though, because, like, I think of like the double R as being kind of like very secluded from everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of got that impression too. But then I also thought about like when you're that age, you just have this like unlimited amount of energy, which baffles me to this day because I <laughs> have like ten percent of that. And so I could totally see them riding like miles and miles on their bikes and just yeah. being like, nah, oh well. And I will point out, I actually was confused the first time. I read it. I thought they were talking about the double R. They're talking about the bookhouse, which to me, this mm. whole thing, when I put it into that context, made it seem really weird because in my mind, the bookhouse is just a place where guys who pretend to be cops go to, you know, police the town or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is also stuff that happens at the bookhouse. I thought it was just like a club, a secret club. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a coffee shop that anyone could go to. It's a coffee yeah. shop. <laughs> it's basically coffee. a coffee shop. Um, <laughs> Okay, so okay, so then we have a big entry. This is just, uh, October twentieth, nineteen eighty-five. Laura says it's been crazy inside her <laughs> home. Head is in, in her head. Oh, in her head. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. I don't know because I wrote it. It's been crazy inside Laura. So <laughs> <laughs> just everything. Yeah, she's going through puberty. Yeah. Home is irritating. She feels trapped and like she has to wear a permanent grin or else everyone freaks out on her. And she asks, can pain be a friend? And then she tells the story of how Donna and her went back out to the bookhouse. They got a little bit dressed up and put on some makeup. But when they got there, no one was there but the owner. (laughs) Of course, because no one gets to the bookhouse until super late, I'm sure. They're 13. (laughs) It's probably like six (laughs) o'clock. Exactly. They're like, well, we just had dinner at six and (laughs) we got to be back home before 10. Yeah, seriously. Um, So this day started. (laughs) Uh, uh, When she was there, though, Laura sees this picture of her perfect guy who's tough, but with sad puppy eyes. And I immediately think, oh, there's James. (laughs) I was just going to say. (laughs) Then the owner like encourages them to leave before like the grown men come in. And (laughs) Laura mentions the Canadians. He's a good guy, actually. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I should hope so, that the bartender at the book house would be a good guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It might be a cop. It's like Sheriff Truman's brother or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheriff Truman, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sheriff um, Truman. <laughs> so Laura mentions the Canadians from last week and says, you know, that they helped them with their tire. They want to thank them. So if they show up to send them out back. And lo and behold, they show up and end up at back in the back. Laura and Donna don't tell them their ages, but they do say they have to be home by 10. And... Um, so they all decide to go out into the woods and build a fire and drink. And Donna and Laura have only ever had a glass of champagne. 
uh, once, <laughs> but they drink some gin that the guys brought and get toasted, quote unquote. I mean, <laughs> champagne is like 7% and gin, gin. is like, like 20, a... it can get up to like 25%. So like yeah. they didn't yeah. need to drink much gin to no. get a little <laughs> toasted is all I'm saying. Uh, I wonder if they ever drank gin again. Um, Probably. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) So they get scared for a second, thinking that they're like saying stupid things. But then Laura decides to dance and it starts getting sexier. And Donna, of all people, suggests they all go skinny dipping. Can I also say that it is October 20th in Washington (laughs) and they're about to go skinny dipping in a creek? Have plenty of gin to warm them. <laughs> no, that's like mountain runoff water right there. That's but they crazy. don't really go skinny dipping. They just stand there in like ankle deep water is from what I am picturing in my head. Right. That's like a drainage yeah. ditch in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so the Laura and Donna take off their clothes and let the guys look at them. And the guys talk together about how beautiful they are. And they say, please come into the water with us. And Laura says she never felt anything so nice. And Laura decides that she's going to call them cocks. They're hard cocks. I just want to say this is Laura's decided this is what the word she's going to use to describe it. She says she, oh, she tells them that they want to, she wants tonight to be a play night so that they can all go home wishing that more had happened. So she's setting rules right off the top. But she does throughout her entire sexual journey. She's always yes. setting rules and parameters that people follow, which is fantastic. It's true. <laughs> it's true. She does have um, a certain power. So anyway, she's, she can't even believe the words that are coming out of her mouth. But um, looking back while she's writing this entry, she thinks that this must be the most excited that these guys have ever been. <laughs> and that they would have been way too nervous to try to do anything that they didn't want them to do. So she's just like, I'm so glad that what I said worked, but I'm also pretty sure that these guys were pretty harmless. Thank God. Yeah. They're in their 20s, right? They're in their 20s. Yeah, early 20s, I'm thinking. Yeah, they're 13. Yeah, which this, this scene made me like, so I think I took a break after reading this scene because I was like, I need to take a break because this is a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what I find interesting is like when we get to a scene towards the end of the book about her and like older men in a way, because we'll talk about it when we get to it, but I feel like it's such a contrast to like her first experience because this one was like very, as you know, as much as, you know... <sighs> I don't want to say good because it was not well, good. Well, in a way, but... it's literally like one of her best sexual experiences in the yeah, entire book. Which it's is... a way to start, you know? It, they, it can yeah. only go downhill from here. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. My experiences, so... our most 13-year-old sexual experiences, seem very inappropriate looking back on them, even if they were with, like, the appropriate partners. <laughs> I just feel oh, like yeah. 13-year-olds. Well, I think... It's just basically it's... a slippery slope from light into darkness. Yes. It's what's yeah. happening. And this is the lightest, most joyful moment 
before things start to go down. Right. Which yeah. like in like retrospect is so sad that this is her first experience because they're clearly being taken advantage of. Yeah. By men who are in their 20s and I you know, I don't ever understand the excuse of young girls looking older because no 13-year-old in the history of 13-year-olds has ever looked 19, Old, 18. Yeah. <laughs> no, and and the older you get, the younger a 19-year-old Young looks. I see yeah, exactly. a 19-year-old and I'm like, whoa, that's a 13-year-old. <laughs> you see exactly. a 13-year-old, you're like, whoa, you look like a 9-year-old. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's so sad that, you know, I don't personally believe this is her first sexual experience with someone else based upon how she's written about sex. But it's just really sad that her first experience has to be in a way where she's being her taken first advantage intentional of. experience see i have a theory yes. about that though i have a theory about that and i do think this is her first but i oh, will get okay. into that later go ahead okay okay <laughs> well i'm gonna skip some of the details and i'm just gonna go to when they're leaving like the guys donna kind of makes out with one of them the other two and laura kind of have uh, you know a uh, sexual moment they don't really there's no sex per se but it's just like them worshiping her in the moonlight (laughs) that's kind of how i picture it yes and her gratifying them for their uh worship (laughs) yeah yeah the girls make themselves throw up afterwards so that the parents won't know they're drunk and they basically sneak in no problem laura though as she's writing this she says Every time she thinks about the experience, she changes it in her mind a little bit, making it a little bit nastier every time. Yeah. Okay. But that's so... a testament to Laura. <laughs> so... <laughs> taking it taking it to the next level always. Exactly. Always. <laughs> so then we have, um, uh, this is like maybe 20 days later. It's in November. Laura is saying that she actually slept through the night and she didn't even remember her dreams she was though earlier brushing troy and she remembered an address from a dream oh yes so she goes there on troy she keeps it a secret from everyone on the way she's just worried that donna has stopped talking to her because of the whole boy thing and she finds the address it's in an old abandoned gas station (laughs) (laughs) the log lady is there with her log She smiles at Laura and she realizes that she saw her in a dream or Laura realizes she saw the log lady in a dream. Um, So they stand there smiling at each other for a minute and then the log lady speaks to her. She says she knows she's curious that she dreams like other people sometimes. And she, Laura never realized that Margaret was so nice. She knows special things about Laura. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to call her the log lady always. <laughs> she knows special things about Laura and tells her if she pays attention to these special, or if she pays attention, special things will come. And then she listens to the log and she whispers, things are not what they seem. Margaret says she knew Laura had been dreaming of being a woman and that this is something that all girls do because Laura is having a lot of back and forth with herself about this. It made Laura feel good uh, because maybe she wasn't actually being bad all the time. And she also said, sometimes the woods are a place to learn. Sometimes it's a place for other people to be. And children are prey sometimes that 
she would be watching and it's important to remember things you see and feel which wow, I think Laura has been doing a lot of suppressing things. <laughs> well, and she's writing it all down, which is exactly what she's like. It's important to acknowledge these feelings and to get them out. Yes. So the, the, the diary is the thing that she can get it out on. Exactly. She also says that owls are sometimes big. And then Margaret hums a song for her. And Laura can tell that something has hurt her before, Margaret. When she gets home, she tells her mom... Or she asks her, her mom tells her about how Margaret's husband was a firefighter who died in a fire and that the log came after her husband died. Laura thought she was very nice and a special person and she hopes she was right about her life having special things in it. Laura told Margaret unexpectedly that sometimes things happen that no one knows about, but she doesn't even know if they're real. She wasn't expecting to tell her that, but it just came out. And Margaret looks away and turns back and tells her that she's a very beautiful girl and that many people would love her in her life. And Laura felt good when she left, and the feeling stayed with her even now as she writes this entry. But P.S. Donna still hasn't called. That was a really interesting entry, um, oh, very different than most. I was very excited to see the log lady, and I was a little bit sad that she seems to know what's going on with Laura, but never really can do anything to stop it or tell anyone about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. To me, it almost came off as like, maybe in some sort of way, they've had similar experiences and the log lady can kind of recognize those experiences on Laura. And maybe she feels like, you know, you can't, she can't really do anything about it because she has no control because Laura barely has any control over any of it. So it seems like maybe it's a, a, she's kind of hinting to me that maybe this is something that Laura has to confront and deal with on her own, that nobody else can step in and do it for her. Yeah. Yeah. And the log lady has that connection with the log who is able to give her more of like, it's, it's not like there's a portal into darkness when it comes to Twin Peaks. It's more like an oil spill and you don't know if you're, when you're going to step in it. And the log being part of nature has the ability to like give her, give Margaret those where all of that evil is and how it interacts with everybody in the town because it did, it's not just Laura Everyone has, has, deals with this, this oil spill of negativity of the town. So, yeah. Okay. So then we have a few days later, another poem. Listening to the wood inside each tree is a soul and the trees might see what happens and they might wish to speak, especially about the memory of a little girl. And she says, there's a little hole inside her. And then maybe the tree would know that something was very wrong and the world should listen carefully to the voices in the woods because the leaves are shaped like tears. And then she says, he came tonight. I know, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, 20th of November. Another bad dream. This Actually, I did read that this dream is a dream that Jennifer Lynch actually had. This is one of the two things that she said was from her own life that she put into the diary. It's an empty room. Something was coming. It was cold. It wanted to fix things so she wouldn't feel so guilty. And when she turned back, there was a rat that wanted to bite her foot off. 
but there was nothing she could do to stop it, so she bit her own foot off so the rat couldn't get it. And when she woke up, she could still see the rat, so she decided to hurt herself before he could. That, asking I mean, a, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so then she asked the diary not to judge her. Well, I mean, forever she was thinking, if I can just not have these thoughts, if I can be pure, if I can be like Donna, then then all of this bad stuff that's happening to me will stop. And now she's thinking, this rat, this evil is coming after me, and the only way to stop it is if I hurt myself first. Like, it's not yeah. going to be able to bite my foot off if I bite my foot off first. Yeah. You know, to protect herself, she will be the one to hurt herself. Yeah. And she ends the chapter with just saying she wishes she could talk to her mommy, which is just so sad. Okay, so now we're in December. She says she might not write again for a while. She had another dream, and she was seeing the diary appear and disappear in people's laps. And she was afraid it was going to tell everyone what was inside her. And she doesn't understand things. Um, And she thinks... Oh, wait, she doesn't understand and thinks they shouldn't speak. I don't know. This is a very jumbled entry, I think. Um, Something about nightmares and ropes and silver blades. And she just wants it to go away. And she hates to say goodbye, but she's afraid. And she stopped trusting herself and everyone around her. Yes. And that that's like we're about to get to that chapter where she really gets into Bob. Yeah, that's the end of this section. So we're almost done. But she doesn't write again until April 23rd of the next year. So that's four months. Um, She's talking about school. It's fine, but it's too easy. Um, Donna and her have had several fights. She hates crying, but it comes so easily. And she can't tell Donna what's inside her because if she told her, she was afraid Donna would make her tell her why. So at least she's now understanding why she can't tell people something because she doesn't want to have to explain herself um, or why she has to put on this front all the time. She says she can never tell. She hates herself and her life. Her dad is always busy at the Great Northern. Um, She dreams she dug a hole for a well but ended up trying to bury herself in the hole. She also says she wakes up in the middle of the night with leaves all over her. Her mom will come in after she has a bad dream or she did come in after a bad dream and told her about the birds and the bees. And Laura was like, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) She says they were the keys to doors Laura wasn't supposed to be in, and it made her want to hit her mother. But she made the honor roll and debate team. She prays all the time, but she feels worse than ever, and she's determined to talk to Donna. So this is like months later. She still hasn't talked to her, like almost six months later. Well, they said they fight all the time, so they obviously try to get along, but then, you know, there's all this misunderstanding. I mean, do we know if Donna has gotten her period yet? I'm guessing she has, because it's been a whole year, but, like, you know. Well, she didn't have sex with that boy. They just made out. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, maybe Laura's just, she's maturing faster, and Laura, and Donna doesn't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Donna has, but I assume she has, but I don't know. Okay, so this is the next day. Oh, (laughs) Laura has a memory of skipping stones. The man who hurt her and told her opening her mouth was wrong first gained her trust with skipping stones. So she's starting to remember, but she wants to forget. She says something very bad is happening, and she thinks that it's real. She's starting to remember, but she can't tell if she's better off knowing or not. So end of June. 
She spent the day with Donna. They were quiet at first, then Laura cried and ran out of the house, and then Donna started crying and ran after her, and Laura was telling her she couldn't sleep, she was worried about being good, she wants to talk to her about that night with the guys and wants to know what Donna thinks about it and whether she thinks that they should be punished for it. And um, Donna says that she thought Laura was mad at her because she's so much more experienced or she seemed so much more experienced. Laura doesn't really understand, but Donna admits that she has also fantasized about boys, but her fantasies are very tame and slow in Laura's eyes. Laura says that her fantasies are the same as Donna's, which is obviously a lie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She was hoping Donna's would be the same as hers, but she finds it really hard to believe that Donna is so pure. And Laura is still constantly questioning what is happening to her, and she's ready to stop asking the same questions over and over. Okay, so two more chapters in this section. This is just the day after. 4.12 a.m., she says she doesn't remember how it started, but he's always had long hair. He knows how to frighten her the most. It started as playing in the woods. He likes it when she's frightened. He violates and humiliates her. I think she goes into specifics, but I did not. (laughs) She says she begs him to come, but she wishes him far away, and he lies to scare her. He chokes her when she cries and causes her to faint. And he always uses her full name, Laura Palmer. She also says she would come home bleeding and not be able to tell anyone, and that he would cut her between her legs and in her mouth. (laughs) It's just horrible. He basically wants her to repeat his humiliating lies, and he says he's the only man who will ever want to touch her. She couldn't let anyone know about him, and she thinks if she stopped fighting and wasn't afraid, maybe he would stop coming. She hopes that God understands that she is trying her best, and she thinks it's a test by God to prove she's not afraid to die. She wants to be taken to heaven. But our final chapter is actually self-empowering in a certain way. This is right after her birthday, so July 26th. 14. (laughs) God. (laughs) Okay, so she's been trying not to be afraid. She's been seeing Bobby. It's just weird that she would start dating a boy named Bobby when Bob is her main tormentor. But maybe it's just her way of trying to get power in the situation. Or Lightness in darkness. He is the light to Bob's evil. Yeah. Um, Okay, so she's 14. She refused to celebrate her birthday. She wants to be alone and think. Her mother, of course, is concerned, but Laura goes to the place where she always goes with Bob. There, she finds a piece of rope, and she tries to find an explanation there, but she doesn't. So she smokes a joint that she made Bobby get her, and she thinks of sex and all the things that Bob would like. She's basically trying to get Bob to show up, but he never does, and... She wants the tree to know that this is a new Laura. The old Laura is gone. The new Laura only uses her voice because it's so much easier to get what she wants when she does. She touches herself, and this is kind of almost ritualistic, like a ritual to take back control. Right. She calls out for Bob, and she calls him Bobby, which is kind of telling. She never saw Bob, but 
she has an orgasm like she never has before. And she says she won this one because she proved she wasn't afraid and Bob never showed up. And then on the way home, she was almost killed by an owl. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, owls always flying in front of your faces for no reason. I know. She remembers the log lady saying, many things are not what they seem, but she's found the light and pleasure in the darkness and it gives her power. And she vows to come back and open and close around Bob. So the end of this section, she is trying to gain back control of her own power so that she can fight what has been tormenting her for this last two years that we've been reading about, probably much longer. We'll say longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And that is the end of this week's recap. <laughs> it's a long one. It's a lot to get through. You go mm-hmm. through the first two years of her diary. So that's it's a lot. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So did we have any favorite moments from that section? <laughs> I did find it kind of crazy that she knew exactly where it was that she went with Bob. Like, she knew this was the spot. Um, I don't know if I should say this now. There's one. It's not a spoiler for Firewalk With Me. It's just something that's said in Firewalk With Me that you don't know about in prior to the book or any other time. But when she, she talks to Harold at one point and she says that Bob is real and that he has been having her for months. And... That's right at the end of her life. So I don't think that Bob had actually penetrated yet into her life. That I think the the things that he did to her were more... Um, because she talks about being cut and bleeding, but but it's from like a knife or like a little tiny, like little scratches is what she talks about. It's like little cuts on the inside of her mouth and little cuts where, you know, down below. And... Um, I don't think that he actually takes her in that way until she's much older. He's just well, you could also her. consider those more symbolic, like that's how she's envisioning what's happened. I mean, I don't think it has a definitive answer one way or the other, but she's definitely been having, you know, she's been taught by Bob since she was a kid that all of this stuff is bad and that she has to keep her mouth up shut about it and that she has to do what she's told right and he definitely has done some very humiliating sexual things to her which i would think is definitely affecting her definitely yeah i'm not Um, saying anything he ever did was good all of it was horrible of course right but you just don't think that it went as far as it might have as it eventually does yeah that's true. Um, I tend to think maybe it had started earlier, but, you know, <laughs> it's hard to say, really. Um, I, I guess I like when Maddie and Donna and her all get together for their camp out. I like seeing her and Maddie interact. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if there's a... I Honestly, it's going to sound maybe horrible, but... The, the scene where she had her first sexual encounter in the river, even though obviously those guys were way too old, it still seemed like a very good moment for Laura. And I... It, it was the purest dark her. moment of her life, for sure. <laughs> it was one that she had agency over. Right. And I appreciated mm-hmm. that for her. Yes. 
I, I think on mine is also going to be the camping scene with her, with Maddie and Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it felt, it was kind of like a break for the readers and for even Laura from this like traumatic, like just like mind vomit that she always has. And it just, it felt more grounding and it was just nice to see her have a experience with people who also i think maddie is also one of these people who doesn't necessarily want anything from her and is there just as a comfort for her which is why i think she sticks around the longest as like a good person in laura's life yeah but it was just nice to see her have a really positive and it be a positive experience you know rather than her having a positive experience and it actually not be necessarily positive yeah and it's like you know yeah content so i really enjoyed that yeah I loved the scene with the log lady. I was just going to mm-hmm. say. <laughs> where she um, goes to see her. And it's just, I don't know. The whole time I was picturing like the light dappling in and like a lot of green and like maybe even like flower petals falling. Like the most serene and happy and pure like moment for Laura in this whole story was just this moment she got to spend hearing the crazy musings of the log lady. Yeah. But also kind of a little bit weird that it's outside the abandoned gas station. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I imagine well, like they could lay down on the street out there and not a single car would come by because it's like, you know, just an isolated little mountain area where nobody ever comes and it's just them doing their yeah. little moment. Yeah. That was a great scene, too. Mm-hmm. And right. Troy is still there, all good and happy and horse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sad for Jupiter. Mm-hmm. That was sad. Let's do... I only have a tiny bit for the deep dive. I've got all of my deep dive stuff from this book called Laura's Ghost Women Speak About Twin Peaks. It's by Courtney Stallings, but it's got interviews with Jennifer Lynch, um, Cheryl Lee, and like just like a ton of other people in the Twin Peaks community and who worked on the show. And it's all women who are talking about what Laura means to them. And so I got some quotes on what the secret die on people, how people felt about the secret diary and what it meant to them. So I have a three quotes from the book. First one, it made me feel better about myself because as a 14 year old girl going through puberty and having to deal with sex things and having feelings I didn't understand and growing up in a really religious household, I felt fucked up. I thought, is there something wrong with me? With Laura, I realize now I related to the whole virgin whore thing that Laura had. It's placed on all women. You're supposed to be both. I remember being very confused, and then I read the diary, and I felt like I was normal. Everything in there was way more fucked up, but I felt like she's totally fucked up, but maybe I'm not as messed up as her, or maybe I'm not as messed up as I think I might have been. And so I felt better about myself. And that was a quote by Mary Hutter. And then Cheryl Lee Ladder wrote, The Secret Diary made Twin Peaks more real and less of a soap opera. Without the diary, season one and two wouldn't have made so much sense. And Laura 
wouldn't have made so much sense until Fire Walk with me because I didn't know her at all. Right. The parts I didn't like in Laura because I saw them in myself were the dark of things. I'm sorry, I totally messed up your quote, Shirley Letter, because I got so many typos when I wrote it. Okay. <laughs> but I think we all get the, what she's trying to say. You know, like, yeah. um, it made Laura real because in the show, she was just like a cipher, I, you know? She was a dead body that bad exactly. things happened to. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I really love, what I really love about that quote is that when she says that we didn't know real the real Twin Peaks until we read this book because when we look back at the conversation that Laura and um, Donna have when they make up and Donna reveals like her fantasies and how like you know tame they are and Laura compares them to very like soap opera Mm -hmm. Um, and now that we're seeing that the show is like very soapy it's just kind of like that mirroring of the show is very tailored to kind of hide all these things and whereas Laura kind of sees past everything and sees it for what it truly is. Yes, yes. She's very tapped into the dark side. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Okay, so I have one more quote. This is by Rosie Stewart. And I read The Secret Diary when I was about 15 or so. I absolutely loved that book. It spoke to me. It's one of those books that sort of comes at you at the right age and makes you feel better about yourself. Obviously, Laura's Secret Diary is a very extreme version of a Judy Bloom book, but it made me feel okay about having a sexuality. It made me feel okay about having issues around substance abuse. Laura Palmer is a woman who is sort of weird, smart, and completely different from the other people around her. I always liked that about her. I always thought that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. she, she makes the darkness relatable. Yes. Yes, and it's like if she can get through this, then I can get through my life (laughs) right you know right exactly okay well and that is all i have for the first episode Ah. (laughs) all right and so now it's time for recommendations does anybody want to go first i'll go first i only have one recommendation because i can't think of anything else for the other two at the moment so my recommendation is a video um, blogger podcaster Um, her name is Bailey Sarian and she does makeup at the same time she tells true crime stories that (laughs) some are still like a mystery some have been solved and it's everything from people you've just never heard of before to Bloody Mary to Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, and the way she tells them are just funny and she's very real. She gets a lot of facts about the story before she tells it. And it's just, it's a good, you know, something to listen to while you're, and if you like people doing their makeup at the same time. It's Sounds per- like a perfect, it's a perfect YouTube combo. combo. <laughs> it, it is. And she's, she's great. So that's my recommendation. Say Bailey. your name again. Bailey Sarian. Sarian. Okay. S-A-R-I-A-N. Sarian. I like watching people do makeup sometimes. I mean, I at least watch like watching uh, Trixie Mattel do her makeup. <laughs> and I like hearing <laughs> creepy stories. So I'll definitely check that one out. What have you got, Christian? So, uh, surprise, I have a music recommendation. <laughs> and this is also going to be a little bit of a dedication to a musician that we recently lost I'm not sure, because I didn't know, I knew of her, but I did not know her 
like body of work. So I'm gonna be recommending this album called Oil of Every Pearl's Uninsides by Sophie. Okay. And Sophie is a Scottish like musician, record producer. Um, she worked on a lot of really like a lot of big artists like Charlie XCX and Kim Petras, who were just like really a lot of pop stuff. And she worked on a lot of Vince Staples, who's a rap artist. And she is just kind of was like a trailblazer. And the fact that, you know, not only was the music that she created uh, so like unique and was kind of changing pop, but she was a trans woman. And through her, you know, career was transitioning and was just kind of this voice in her own music of the trans experience, which I really appreciated as a trans person. And I didn't find out, unfortunately, about her music until postmortem because she just passed, I think, last week um, in an accident in Greece. She fell off the roof, I think, and it was just really terrible. Um, She was only like 32, 34, so it was really sad, but I, I didn't really know of her own body of work, so I went through it, and it's just like, this experimental electronic music and it's just really really cool and I just really love it and there's a lot of really great lyrics and so I would really recommend it because it just really spoke to me in a way that um, a lot of other stuff hasn't and it's just really beautiful. Oh awesome definitely have to check that out. I guess my recommendation for this week is the show The Expanse. (laughs) I have recommended the book that it was based on before but I'm the season, I think, just wrapped up its last episode. I haven't finished watching it yet, but it is the best sci-fi show ever made. I'm just going to say it. Best sci-fi show ever made. It is so good. I definitely recommend anyone who has even the slightest inkling of liking anything about space <laughs> to watch it because it's just the best. Um, it's all on <laughs> Amazon, and there's definitely going to be more seasons, so... You don't have to worry about it being over forever. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my recommendation for this week. If you would like to contact us and tell us how you felt the first time you read The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, or if you're just reading it for the first time with us now, how you are feeling about it so far, we would love to hear from you. Yes, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. Um, you can DM us on Twitter at Manners Madness or on Instagram at Manners of Madness Pod. And you can leave a one minute voice message on our website at mannersofmadness.com. One minute. Yes. <laughs> one minute. Chelsea's the only one who has left us one so far. <laughs> but just don't go ahead and time yourself because you might want to practice it a couple of times. I wasn't aware of the minute, so I sound like a crazy train wreck. But, you know, just going into it knowing you only have a minute it does help. yes Um, (laughs) good to know beforehand Um, okay well is there anything else I don't think so I don't think so all right well we will see you next week with part two of the secret diary of Laura Palmer yes very depressing and exciting (laughs) (laughs) yes so good night everyone Bye. bye